welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Our Bibles to the New Testament book, New Testament letter of First John. This entire month, I'll be preaching a sermon series here out of the letter to First John. First John was written by the Apostle John, who also wrote the Gospel of John. He also read wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote the book of Revelation that we are studying on Wednesday night. Roughly 20% of the New Testament was written by John. If you look at your New Testament, about three-fourths of your New Testament was wrote by three different authors. The majority was actually Luke, because Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. That's about 27% of your New Testament. Then Paul came in at 24%, right there with his 13 different letters that he wrote to different churches. And then we come to John. So you add all those guys up, that's three-fourths of your Bible. So when you study your Bible in the New Testament, for the most part, you're reading something that was written by John, by Paul, or by Luke. Those are your main New Testament authors. And John is whom, the, whom he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John also was the one who lived, of all the different disciples, he lived the longest. He lived even longer than Brother Hurd. So he was almost 100 years old when he passed away. So Brother Hurd, could you imagine writing a book at your age? (laughs) So that's what's going on right here. John is writing a letter to these churches. And it's a letter, and he's warning them. In the book of Revelation as well, he was well up in years, and he's writing, he's writing this, this uh, vision he's received from the Lord and encouraging other Christians. This letter we're going to read here, and we're going to be studying this entire month. You see, it's a letter that talks so much about the love of God, but where, what that leads to, or the reason why they talk about the love of God, is because there was a crisis in the church. We don't know who the church was. All we know is this letter's going out. And it's going to be received uh, by this church that is ha- experiencing a crisis. And the main crisis that they're experiencing is twofold. First of all, they have what they call false teachers. So people are coming into the church and they're not teaching on what we call Christology. Christology is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And what that means is they're taking what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ how he is God's son, how Mary was his mother, his father was God the Father, and he came, he's a fully God and fully man, he died on a cross for our sins, he rose again with a greater purpose so we could be forgiven of our sins and so we can be saved. That is the doctrine of Christology. They, these false teachers were sneaking into a church and they were teaching a different gospel, the Bible says. And the different gospel were, it was taking away from the divinity of Jesus. It was taking away from the resurrection. It was taking away of the saving power of Jesus Christ. And, and John is saying here, you can't, you can't give up, you can't uh, waver on your commitment of the person of Christ. Because without Him, you do not have a gospel. So that is the false teaching. And what we're going to see here today, what would be the false teaching today? Because from my experience, I don't think people sneak into churches 
and, and teach false doctrine like this. But I do think we experience false doctrine and false teaching all around us. And here's what it looks like today. It's what we call the doctrine of self. The doctrine of self means that the world revolves around me. It's what I want. It's what I feel. It's what I want to do. You wake up on Sunday, if I feel like going to church, I might go, might not. We'll see how I feel. If I want to believe that, I might believe it, might not. And it's this world that we live in. And it's one which teaching you, Daniel Osmond, are the center of the world in whatever you want, whatever you want to believe, and whatever you want to do, you go right ahead because no one has any moral authority to tell you that's wrong. This is what we call moral relativism. It's where you can believe whatever you want to believe, as ridiculous as those beliefs are. It doesn't even matter what the truth is. And if you believe that, that's okay because it's all about you. Folks, that is rampant. That is all around us. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you how it sneaks into a church. Because what happens, we all go and we consume media and we go out in the world and we hear this stuff. You hear it at school, at work. It's all over the internet and TV. And then you bring it into here. And what the gospel teaches is that everything revolves around not us, but around our Lord. We line up our lines, our belief, we line up to God's truth. That is central to understanding what it means for us to be confronting against false doctrine, false teaching. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we hear about false doctrine, false, we, we, we think about Jehovah's Witness, we think about the Mormons knocking on the door, and they might do that. But I want to tell you, the devil is subtle. It's much more subtle. It comes into your life through social media. It comes into your life through thinking, what do I want to do? It's the doctrine of me. And that is a dangerous and deadly thinking that is leading millions of people into hell. Because the doctrine of me today says, you know, I'll pick up my Bible and I'll just take out the things I don't want to believe. I'll remove the verses and not follow those verses because it doesn't really apply to 2023. And you can just chop up what God has said and then you all of a sudden you have no gospel whatsoever. So that's where we pick up here in our Bibles. And this morning we want to see how do we fortify, how do we strengthen our faith amidst a doctrine of me. Brother Hurd shared with me, and he's also just shared a minute ago, in his early 20s, he grew up in Arkansas, and he was going to run a grocery store. That was his vision, that was his plan, that was his goals in life. He married Marguerite, and they were planning on running a gro grocery store. If you went to Kroger back in the 1930s, Brother Hurd would be running Kroger if it existed back then. He was your local grocer. God called him into the ministry. He responded to God's call. By the way, he was in Alaska when that occurred. God even spoke to people up there. God called him into the ministry in Alaska. And he changed the course of direction and he followed the Lord. And that type of leading, just in following the Lord, let the Lord lead your life, 
that is what we want to be so diligent as we read this letter here. Because John is writing this to say, you need correction. You need to make a change in direction. You're going to a grocery store, and then I'm going to redirect you to serving the Lord. You might be living for yourself, and the Lord redirects you and say, you have these indwelling sins that have crept into your life, thinking the world is all about you, and it's not. It's, a, it's us lining up to a God-centered life. A God-centered life is when we wake up daily and say, God, this is your day. I don't have any plans. My plans, Lord, is your plans. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I'm giving you this day. My mouth, my hands, my money, it's yours, Lord. That's what it means to live for the Lord. That's a God-centered life. And that's where we're going with this passage here. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible tells us here, what is, what is from the beginning? What have we heard? What we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed, that we have seen it and we testify and declare to you eternal life with our Father was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. They're saying joy is not found in things, in worldliness, in activities. It's found in the Lord. That is a message for today. It says you want complete joy? Are you missing something in life? Do you feel there's an emptiness? The Bible's saying it's the Lord. It's Jesus. Look what you've seen. John is saying, I saw the risen Lord. I saw Him on the cross. I witnessed the miracles. I have touched the man with my hand. That brought me joy. The greatest story you and I have is that of a changed life where God saved you, you've been redeemed from hell, and now you live for Jesus. How exciting for Brother Hurd. 70 years of serving and ministering for the Lord to be able to say, I have given my life to the Lord. That's what John is saying right here. It makes me complete. There would be a, there's, a, there's an emptiness in your life if you go about your day and you are not living for Jesus Christ. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. And notice that phrase there. It is possible. He, now, if you remember... He's writing to Christians. He's not writing to lost people. This is going to a church in crisis that has become, uh, they have turned inwardly. And they're, they're, uh, for us, they're becoming me-centered. For them, they're having false teachers. And they're listening to these folks. And they, he asks this question in verse 6. We have fellowship with Him, meaning I'm saved, yet they're walking in darkness. Meaning, your personal walk, your walk with God will not be dark. It will line up with the Lord. It will line up with the Bible. So what he's saying is people who go around saying, I am saved, 
I've been born again. I've been redeemed by Jesus. Yet they live as a lost person. Book of 1 John saying they're not saved. They don't know the Lord. And it says here that they do not, if you look at that verse we read, verse 6, they are lying and not practicing truth. It is possible to lie to yourself about your salvation. There's a lot of people that might think they're saved, that might think they're going to heaven, but they're lying to themselves. The greatest lie that we believe is that we're saved and we're not. We say, how do I know? He's going to actually tell us this. So we keep going. Verse 7 right here. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. It's hard to have fellowship with one another for someone who hasn't been in church in 30 years that claims they're saved. People who have fellowship with one another, you will know they're saved because they talk about their, their walk with the Lord. They talk about the Lord. You will know when you're talking to someone else if they're a Christian. They just, it overflows from their mouth. This man, this woman, they love the Lord. And it will spill over into their life. You can, you can see that, have someone who's walking in the light. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word is not in us. I want to tell you, you say, Daniel, who's going around saying this? I don't think people are going around vocally saying, I have no sin. The man who's going around, or the woman who's going around saying, I haven't sinned, is the man or the woman who does not feel they need to confess, they need to bring any, any hidden desires, even uh, mistakes to God. If we are Bible-believing Christians, we are always consciously aware that we are fallen, sinful people. And we're constantly in need of Jesus to save us, to forgive us. We, we fall short all the time. We say things that hurt other people. We, we find ourselves doing things that we regret doing. We get snappy and we say cutting and cunning comments. And then we justify it by saying, well, he deserved it. Well, she needed to feel that. And the Bible's saying, who are you fooling? You are answering not to that other person. You're answering to the Lord. When we go around painting ourselves as I was the victim, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. We are aligning ourselves when we say, God, I'm not guilty. Part of growing closer to Christ is realizing our total dependence. We need Him daily. You know, the devil, he is... Always, the Bible says he's a roaring lion looking to devour us. And a lot of times that's not big things, it's little things. It's the spirit of unforgiveness. It's the spirit of jealousy. It's the, it's the sin of hatred in your heart. And you see stuff on the news. I mean, think about, think about this week. This should bother, if you get stirred up over this and you're throwing stuff at the TV, you should really examine your heart. This entire week on the news, 
All we've done is watch a spy balloon enter Idaho and go across America. And then we got over South Carolina, just got over the ocean after it passed, what, seven days in U.S. airspace. And we're watching people on the news talk about, why won't the president shoot it down? I'm going to get my rifle. I mean, some poor, um, it wasn't a governor, it was the uh, sheriff of some county in uh, South Carolina. If you saw it, he was telling his residents, don't take your rifles and shoot it down because it's 60,000 feet and your gun at home is not going to hit the spy balloon. Because if you shoot a bullet in the air, it's going to come down somewhere. It could kill someone because it's going to fall if it goes up. I mean, you're, we're sitting there watching this on the news all this week about a spy balloon. And some of us are getting angry because the United States won't take action. And we need to defend our nation. That's the type of stuff, if you aren't careful, you could, it could ruin your entire week by just getting stirred up over something literally we have no control over. I can't shoot down a spy balloon. I, I, um, it's just, it's not gonna, I, people aren't going to listen to me if I say. And talking about it's not going to do anything. And you see, the Bible's telling us we feel that we're right and all these other people are wrong. And people need to believe and think like I do. When the Bible's saying, no, I need to line up with the Lord. Lord, is there anything in my heart that is causing me to redirect my passion, my focus from you? And I want to tell you, this week, if you sat there and followed the silly balloon going across America, it could have easily, instead of serving, thinking, praying, doing your devotion, reading the Bible, thinking about the Lord, Lord, how can you use me? What do I need to ask for forgiveness from? Lord, cleanse my heart of what sin. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to check on? You're redirected to something and someone else. Folks, that's what the devil does. It's every, and this week it'll be something new. Next week it'll be something new. This is what happens. Every week there's new, some national crisis that goes on. And you can find yourself just drifting along. And the Bible's saying, don't do it. Look at these last verses right here. <clears throat> if we say in verse 10, we have not sinned. We make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. That means the Bible's telling us we need to always be aware. Lord, has false teaching, has false doctrine entered inside of my life? If I've been led down a road and thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking of, my little children, I'm writing you these things. So you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. For he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the entire world. The Bible's teaching us that false teachers here, they are coming. They will hit you. It won't be knocks on the door. It comes in through media. It comes in through friendships. It comes through relationships. And you will start believing things that the Bible describes as a lie. And you can believe the lie. The lie today is that you're important, the center of the world, and that you will get to do anything you want to do, what you want to believe, what you want to feel, what you want to do. And there's this, there's this idea that you have this total freedom. You are total, totally free. When Jesus is say, looking at you and I, He calls us, my little children, saying, no, you're not totally free. God is saying, I'm your father. I'm who you answer to. I'm who you look to. You are my child. Not only do we have an earthly, uh, earthly father, we have a heavenly father. 
And we give our account, we give account for our lives to Him. False teaching is when we say, Dad, Father, I don't need you. I'm just going to be the rebellious son, rebellious daughter, and do whatever I want to do. And God is saying, don't do it. That is false teaching. You want to fortify your faith by realizing that only Jesus, only He can forgive me. He's the one that has to reveal sin in my life, point out problems within me. And He is the standard, not ourselves. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, There will come a time when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Don't miss that phrase. People aren't going to tolerate sound doctrine. But what do they want? They want their own desires. That is indwelling sin. So we look here. says, God, how do I fortify my faith? How do I become stronger here in the first Sunday in February? How do I have, I want to create a legacy. I want to have a type of strength that Brother Heard and Miss Marguerite have. I want, to ha- I want to have that rock solid belief so that if I fall down my stairs, and so if I'm diagnosed with cancer, so if I have a tragedy in my life, Lord, I believe you answer prayer. I call and cry out to you and I expect, Lord, you to heal me. Because He does. He will. He has. That type of fortified faith. Lord, always being aware. God, am I believing garbage that I'm watching on TV and the internet and social media leading me down, thinking my thoughts that should not go down that road. The Bible's teaching us that we are to examine ourselves and says, Lord, could it be me? Is there sin in my life? That's causing me to slowly drift away from you. I don't want to tell you, false teaching comes with the drift. That's what it is. It doesn't happen right away. False teaching, you start out right here, and you slowly drift away from the Lord. You find any Christian, and I say the word Christian loosely, who was once very active in church, but now they're not active in church. I want to tell you, it didn't happen overnight. It was a series of events, and just over time, They have drifted away from the Lord. And they have believed, I am perfectly fine with what I'm doing right now in my life. Living how I live. And I'm perfectly content that I'm going to heaven. I'm going to stand before God and He's going to be pleased with me. And the Bible says it is possible. He used that phrase, you are deceiving yourself in verse 8. I plead with you. John pleads with you. Self-examination is a must for all Christians. Lord, have I been deceived? You should always ask this question. Am I believing a lie? Because the Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that the principalities of this air are all around us and seek to lead us astray. That meant the devil is all around our world system, because it started in the Garden of Eden, going all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 3, and it is still here, and only Jesus defeated this. He's the only one. That's why we are saved by the blood of Jesus, because He was not led by these principalities of the air. And Bible's telling us, John's teaching us here in 1 John, if we aren't careful, 
we will be led down that same road. How are we strengthening our faith? We, we stop and we say, God, I examine my heart. Is there anything, any areas that I need to ask forgiveness from, that I need to be cleansed from, that I am in denial? Well, the first step of getting someone, if you, if you go around regularly and you share your faith and you practice personal evangelism, do you know what the greatest problem is today? It's convincing a lost person that they're actually lost. You go here in our wonderful city and you talk to somebody about the Lord. I promise you, everybody's fine. They're all fine. Everybody seems to have it together. Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Everything's going good. I don't need to go to church. Don't need the Lord. I pay the bills. I have a good time making decent grades in school, doing whatever I want to do, happy with social media. It's just this, this lie. And our mission is to point out, listen, without Jesus, you're utterly hopeless and needy. There is a gospel need. And it starts out with self-reflection and say, you need Jesus Christ. That's how fortification starts in your faith. You have to realize God, I need you, first and foremost. First and, foremost. and the second thing, how, what we do with a fortifier faith, we affirm truth. That's why John started this gospel out. Hey, what you've seen, what you've received, what you've heard, what you've been passed down, you take the gospel that you learn in VBS, in Sunday school, in a young age, that fortifies, that strengthens, that develops your faith into a rock solid belief so that when you hear something when you see something you think that's not right it's wrong this morning i ask you we're going to have our time here of invitation and i ask you says god have i been saved have you pointed out deceitfulness in my life deceitfulness in my beliefs thinking Maybe thinking I've had a relationship with the Lord, but God, there's, there's unforgiveness. I'm harboring bitterness. I'm angry. I have hate. I'm upset all the time. God, why? God reveals these sins in our life with a greater purpose of realizing only He can remove it. Only He can cleanse it. Only He can forgive us. So we're going to stand and sing. We're going to have our invitation. I'm inviting you this morning. You want to get saved. If you want to turn to the Lord, if you want to respond to the gospel, if you want to be cleansed by the power of the gospel, Jesus Christ, you come take my hand. You take one of the hands of our wonderful deacons and say, I want to follow Jesus. This scripture is pointed out to me that maybe I'm deceived and I need the Lord. We're going to stand and sing. David Dale is going to lead us in our song. This is also our time we respond and we join our church. We make it public. Any decision we make of following the Lord. We're going to sing our hymn book, hymn number 249, Jesus Paid It All. David?